How can you and your team sell with confidence and integrity, especially during a time of high anxiety and economic recession? These times, more than ever, call for the right mindset. Today, we get to talk with a true expert and the author of a brand new book, A Mind for Sales. It's the sales hunter, Mark Hunter, on the Manage Your Message podcast. Welcome to the Manage Your Message podcast where professionals come for ideas and inspiration to grow by talking about their businesses more effectively and getting lots of other people to do the same. Here is your host, consultant, professional speaker, and author, Jim Carr. Come on in and welcome to the Manage Your Message podcast. I'm Jim Carr. I help professionals and entire organizations to get the most out of their everyday business conversations, the ones that generate by far the most growth opportunities. Many of us don't fully appreciate the extent of that opportunity, or they don't know where to start addressing it or wonder whether they and their employees or colleagues would ever have the right knowledge, skills, or personalities to lead consistently effective customer conversations. That's where my work as an author, professional speaker, and consultant comes in. And on this podcast, we're here to help you with ideas for the three necessary components for managing your message. First, creating the message itself, the words, stories, insights, and evidence you want your customers and prospects to know about. Second, equipping and growing your network of messengers, the people who can help you share that message. And third, management habits that will shape your culture and turn those improvements into an everyday business advantage. When you bring those pieces together, you'll very likely enjoy improvements in revenue, market share, customer engagement, employee engagement, and your brand and reputation. I take you through that process in more detail in my new book, available from Career Press. It's titled, The Science of Customer Connections, Manage Your Message to Grow Your Business. You can find it in paperback, Kindle, and audio versions wherever great business books are sold. You can also find a free sample on my website, jimcar.com. We bring all of this together for you because, simply put, it's much easier to grow your business when you are a message manager. In a world brimming with self-styled sales experts and gurus, there are, in my view, a few people who are worth listening to. Today, we get to talk with one of them. Mark Hunter is known around the world as the sales hunter. After working in sales and leadership roles within three Fortune 500 companies, Mark began his next phase of speaking, consulting, and writing about sales. He is the author of High Profit Sales and then High Profit Prospecting. Now Mark has a brand new and very timely book, A Mind for Sales, but his advice is based on some timeless principles. Let's go to my interview with Mark Hunter on the Manager Message Podcast. Mark Hunter, the sales hunter, it's such a pleasure to have you here. You're in the in the midst of launching a new book called A Mind for Sales, which we will, of course, link to and we'll be talking about today. I think no better time uh, to make sure that we have the right mindset as well as the right strategy for selling during a pandemic and also thinking ahead to what's going to be coming afterwards. So thank you again so much for spending some time here on the Manager Message podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to talking. Terrific. 
Well, maybe let's set it up in that way as well. During this time when we're going to be releasing the episode, we're still very much in uh, uncertainty. Disruption is not even the right word for it, Mark. Just uh, huge effects across the economy with uh, COVID-19. But also, we want to talk about in a more evergreen sense because there will be a rebound. It may happen with uncertain timing and it will be different by region and it'll be different by industry. But there's some fundamentals and some there could be a growth blip on the other side of this. So I thought we may begin, just talk a little about when your advice to sellers and executives, is there a different mindset in the immediate with COVID-19 reaction versus uh, the mindset uh, looking forward beyond whatever this might be? Well, with that comment, we could go here for about four or five hours right there on that. But let, let's, <laughs> let's try to be brief here. First of all, just remain calm. It's too easy to get caught up in the drama of the day to, to be concerned about what's happening. And here's what I found. It is amazing how things change 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours. It's amazing. And just as we got into this quickly, we will come out of it. What I'm telling leaders and telling salespeople, you have to be looking long-term. It's going to be very easy to make a panic decision, make a panic move right now. And that's the worst thing you can do because as I've learned, I've been doing this for 20 some years as my own business and had plenty of ups and downs. The valleys are never as low as you think they are and the mountaintops are never as high as you think they are. And just about the time you think you're in the valley, you're already coming up onto the next mountain, which is wonderful. And just about the time you're on a mountain, guess what? You're starting to slide. So what, what am I saying? You have to keep the long view. You have to make every decision you make in the long view. Now, what I'm telling salespeople right now is, hey, there are opportunities out there. There are plenty of, I talk to business owners, CEOs, VPs of sales every day who say business is absolutely great. Absolutely great. And it's just because they're in an industry that maybe is not impacted, or maybe they are impacted with a blessing of additional business because of something else that happens to be going on. At the same token, I talk to other people who say, man, our business is in the tank. Fine. Okay. Hey, here's the whole thing. You have to be mindful that every person you speak to has a backstory. Just as we were talking before we hit record, we were talking about our respective backstories. You have to be willing to listen to each person's backstory and then begin to set the table for the story going forward. Now, the story going forward, what are three things that I'm looking for? One, is my mindset framed up right? What does that mean? I'm going to be absolutely zeroed in, and I am zeroed in right now, on how do I help you as a customer see and achieve what you didn't think was possible. And it's amazing. There are a lot more opportunities out there than we realize. But here's where it gets very interesting. Look at your customers, and more importantly, look at your customer's customers. Who do they sell to? Who do they ship to? Who do they work for? Who do they deal with? Because as we come out of this pandemic situation, which we will, we will come out of it. Believe me, I think we're going to look back on this as one of the greatest growth opportunities for new businesses, new opportunities, new ways of doing things. It's going to blow our mind. What I'm saying is that different industries will come back differently. And I got to look further downstream. Look downstream. Because this is going to begin to give you a lot of indications, a lot of feeling 
as to who's going to come back quick. And here's the biggest risk of all. Don't think even right now that you can take your foot off the gas with regards to sales. No, you've got to be out there. And here's what I, again, what I'm telling people, treat your prospects like customers. You may have prospects that are not in a position to pull the trigger. They just can't move forward right now. Fine. Treat them as if they were a customer. As you treat your prospects now is how they will treat you later. Believe me, this is, this is going to come back around. So what I'm telling people in kind of a nutshell, stay focused on selling. Stay focused on your value proposition. What's changed is probably how you deliver it. Because if you have a sales team, your sales team may have been used to any number of different things from trade shows and everywhere else to kind of go out and meet with the customers. Guess what? Your outcomes are still the same. It's just the medium, the delivery method of how you do your sales process has changed. Create flexibility in your organization and embrace your people. And you'll be amazed at the opportunities that will come out of it. A couple of things, uh, well, several things <laughs> that you you said I think are worthy of uh, a little more detail, a little more follow-up, Mark, but a couple that struck me right away. One of them is that your mantra has been the role of a good salesperson, a good sales leader, is you get people to discover opportunities that they didn't even realize. I don't say it exactly the way that you do, but things that they didn't think were possible. And I would imagine in a time of high anxiety and limited information and our forecasts and strategic plans went out the window on the customer side, that sense about what's possible and what's practical is even more heightened. So just to follow up on that, what is the role of a really good seller, sales leader, business owner in helping their customers know what is possible still and maybe even new things that are going to be possible in the near future. You have to be the calm voice out there. You have to be. And I, I'm going to use an example and I'll pull it right out of the Super Bowl a few years ago. Remember when the New England Patriots were playing the Atlanta Falcons and the Falcons were up significantly at halftime. And pretty much everybody said the Super Bowl is over. The Falcons are going to win the Super Bowl. And yet you had two individuals, Tom Brady as quarterback and Belichick as the coach. They remained extremely calm, extremely focused. They never gave up the opportunity that they were going to win that game. What did they do? They won that game. Now, here's what I'm saying. It is about remaining calm and keep your focus on the big prize. Now, to get to that big prize, if you go back and examine that game between the New England Patriots and the Falcons, it was not one big play. It was a whole series of little plays, little actions. This is what you as a sales leader, this is what you as whatever your role in sales is, is to help your customers achieve those little actions, those little wins. How do you help them do this? Then get over the next hurdle, the next hurdle, the next hurdle. If we try to say, hey, we're going to turn this business around in one moment, it's not going to happen. And what's happened is everybody's going to get demotivated. I talk about my book. A mind for sales, how momentum creates momentum. And this is so key. You slowly but surely create a little bit of momentum and it turns out. Same way with motivation. Don't try to motivate yourself to be the next Tony Robbins. No. Motivate yourself to be excited just for today. 
to be excited just for the next phone call, for the next opportunity. And again, what happens is it begins building and building and building. It really right now more than ever comes down to your outlook and how you react to things. I happen to be in, I'll go ahead and say the name. I was in Costco this morning as I'm walking out and I'm telling the people who's checking my receipt. I said, hey, have a great day. It's going to be a fantastic day. And you should have seen the smile on that person's face. Yeah, because it is going to be a great day because it's what you choose to frame it up to be. You know, Mark, I do remember very vividly that particular Super Bowl example, and it is a great example of creating momentum. I have to tell you, though, Mark, my favorite NFL team as a Georgia native is the Atlanta Falcons, who break my heart about once per generation, and it was death by a thousand cuts during that Super Bowl. But, <laughs> but the lesson is clear in terms of keeping your focus. Yeah, I mean, the lesson is clear because I have a world of respect for the ownership of the Falcons and the management team. And to see that happen to them, I was like, oh, I know. It was, it was, oh, it was heartbreaking. Because I'm also not a New England Patriots fan, so <laughs> drop the mic. <laughs> you're not bragging. It's just, you're just noting uh, what happened. And, and, and I think to the larger point, there's going to be momentum one direction or the other. None of us are standing pat, particularly these days. I think you're saying kind of small steps and make sure that the small steps are are working in the appropriate way, which brings me to a, another question from what you were talking about before. And then we certainly want to get into a lot of the big lessons behind your new book, A Mind for Sales. It seems like right now that there is an opportunity for more good sales conversations, good customer conversations than ever before. It's been imposed upon us. But the nature of those conversations, obviously, a lot more virtual, fewer of those in-person interactions, even like you just had at Costco earlier today. Uh, when we think across those opportunities in the near term, virtual, over the phone, email, text, through social media, through LinkedIn, and, and et cetera, et cetera, down the line, do you think that the foundations still apply in our, our ability to offer helpful advice, ask questions, not make it about us. Uh, even if the means of conducting the conversation are changing, do you see some foundational elements we still need to keep in mind? You know what? The foundational elements have never changed. It's just for many years, they were ignored. What do I mean by that? So many times what happened is salespeople would get on the phone or they say, hey, let's have a demo. Let's have a demo. And demo is code word for, I'm going to do all the talking and you, the customer, is just going to sit there and listen. Now, I think what's happening is people are having much better conversations. Every sales team I talk to, every salesperson I talk to says, I'm having more conversations on the telephone than ever before. People are actually answering the phone because we have this social distance. People actually are craving, hey, there's somebody to talk to. I'll even talk to the salesperson. Now, what's also happening is that there's a lot more empathy. There's a lot more authenticity. And again, this was missing in far too many. We're going to come out of this really every salesperson being a much better salesperson because we're realizing three things, authenticity, integrity, and trust. Let's break those down. Authenticity. Authenticity means I'm willing to listen and I'm willing to share my backstory too. Hey, you're right. I've got two kids at home. I've, my wife's working at the kitchen table. I'm taking the one bedroom. Again, it's, it's, it's that authenticity of sharing the story. Integrity. Integrity is demonstrating respect. Integrity is demonstrating that, hey, 
I may be talking to you and you're fine, but you just found out that your spouse just lost his or her job. Or maybe you've got elderly parents that you're deeply concerned with. It's the integrity of saying, hey, I'm going to help you out with this and actually doing it. It's the integrity of saying, hey, you're going to get this by a certain date and you do get it. What does that do? That creates a level of trust. Trust is the currency of business. Trust is the foundation from which sales are made. My whole objective right now, I may not be able to convince you to get you to buy anything. And really, for that matter, I don't want you to buy anything you don't need. I only want you to buy if I, if I can demonstrate and prove to you that I can help you see and achieve what you didn't think was possible. But if that happens or does not happen, I'm still creating trust. And that trust allows me to earn the right, the privilege, honor, and respect to be able to come back and talk with you again. And if I do that, you know what? That's a good day. That's great. Excellent. Authenticity, integrity, trust, elements of the currency that are, are in greater demand these days. So let's, let's go right to your new book. It's called A Mind for Sales. And as you mentioned earlier, you, you've been at this a while. You were obviously a child prodigy when you got started in the whole sales speaking, sales leadership, advisory role. So what was it that led you to this as the foundation for a new book? When you talk about mind for sales, what does mindset mean? And then if you could lead us through a little bit about how it breaks down. Sure. Let me fill you in a little bit on the backstory on the book, because there, there is a backstory. My first book was High Profit Selling, which is about how to maximize price. When I wrote that book, I realized, hey, wait a minute. If you don't start with the right prospect, there's no way you can close at full price. So that's what led me to write High Profit Prospecting. I wrote High Profit Prospecting and people say, man, this is great. This is great. You, you give me all the tools and everything I need, but I hate prospecting. And I said, well, you know what? It's because your mindset. Well, that's what led me to write A Mind for Sales. Really, I'm just pulling a chapter right out of Star Wars and doing prequels. That's all. That's all. Because really what it comes down to is if you don't have the right mindset, I'll argue with anybody. You can have the greatest set of sales tools. You can have the greatest territory. In fact, I talk about it in my book, salesperson who is blessed with unbelievable territory, unbelievable lineup of products, unbelievable customer list, everything, and is a miserable failure. Because she didn't have her headset right. Her mindset was not right. So the whole premise of the book, and I actually share, a lot of people have said, man, Mark, it just sounds like you're talking to me when I read the book. Because they said, you know, I've heard you, I've seen you speak. and Some of the stories you share right out of your keynote speeches, right out of other things that you've done. Because I have a unique story. I did not wake up to be a salesperson. I was not a born, you know, I mean, first of all, who, who can say that as a kid, they wanted to be a salesperson? You know, I wanted to be a fireman. I wanted to be a professional baseball player. I wanted to be all that. I did not want to be a salesperson. I got into sales only out of desperation. Yes, desperation. I talk about it in my book. I got into sales because I got too many speeding tickets and I could not afford car insurance. So I wound up having to get a job that supplied me with a car. But the story doesn't end there. I got fired from my first two sales jobs. Yes, you're listening to a person who has now written a number of books on sales who was fired from his first two sales jobs. And the reason I got fired is because, oh, I was selling. 
believe me, I was selling. I had the worst case of commission breath you'd ever imagine. But I wasn't connecting with the customer. I was not connecting with the customer. And when I began to realize sales is about people, sales is about helping people. Sales is about helping people uncover the outcomes of what they're looking for, uncover the needs, what they're looking for. Then it's amazing how things began to change. That's when my sales career took off. It wasn't until my third sales job. And what was your third sales job? And by the way, my first real job was as a uh, DJ at a country music AM station at the age of 16. And then when they let me go out and sell uh, little tiny advertising packages, I thought, hey, this is actually better because I don't think I have to work as hard and I can make more money. So that really resonates. So after the first two sales jobs, Mark, what was it that third sales job? And when did the, the mind piece begin to turn for you? Well, this is funny, man. We have a lot of like because you're listening to the Mindy 95 KQZ Radio 719. I was a disc jockey, too, in college. <laughs> no kidding. I was a disc jockey in college. I loved it. I loved it. But unfortunately, you do not tell your parents, this is where your tuition money is going, so I can become a disc jockey. That just does, doesn't quite work out. So actually, I, I got a degree in marketing, and that's what I, that's what I was going to go into. I got to walk you through the story. The first sales job I had was selling meat, meat. Yes, sides of beef, cuts of meat to restaurants, to stores, to any, anybody who would buy. It was the most schlocky job you could ever imagine. The company was extremely unethical, but I had a Buick. I had a white Buick. Okay, so anyway, fast forward. The actual job where my career began to take off was a company that no longer exists. It was called General Foods. It led me to a 12-year career. I was moved all over the country, wound up being in marketing positions and sales positions with them and so forth. But it was all, it was in what was at that time a pretty big industry. It still is. It's just very much consolidated, consumer packaged goods. So I had the privilege of working with a lot of the largest retailers in the world from Walmart to you name it. I had, I had the chance to uh, work with them. Or shall I say, can I say beat up by then? No, it was it was a mutual respect of trying to get things done. So I sat at, at, at the feet of, of some major companies and had my head handed to me. But you know what it did? It really taught me the value of a relationship. Because even though the customer may have unbelievable rules and regulations, I was still dealing with a person. I was still dealing with people. And I look back on those days and I still have fond memories, fond relationships with some of those individuals because it was still people to people. And Mark, I've read and I've heard you say, you've come around to say sales isn't really a job in your view. It's more of a lifestyle that one chooses. Could you expand upon that? Because it, it seems to, to connect a lot of the themes that you're talking about right now. Well, it does connect. And at the same time, it scares a lot of people. I mean, I've had a lot of people say they are scared by that term. Because I don't want to be selling 24-7. I go, hold it. What am I saying by this? I'm saying that you care about people. When you truly want to wake up in the morning and help people, when you go through the day and want to help people, when you make it your mission, your passion to help people, guess what? You're selling. You see, I look at it this way. I could sell anything. I, I, I really could because my desire is to help people. 
What I sell is just the tool and the mechanism I use to help people. And when we frame it up like that, because I, I hear too many people say, well, well, gee, if only I worked for this company, if only I sold this, if I, only I sold that, and, and I go, hold it. That's not at all. It's your ability to help people. Because when you can help people, and when you can leave them say that, you know what, you were one of the better parts of their day, then you go, wow, this is cool. That's to me what sales is all about. That's why I say sales is a lifestyle. Which brings us to A Mind for Sales, the brand new book that has now been released to the world at a time when the world needs it. And, uh, and in many cases, we have some time to read or listen to that. Because you break down a little bit in terms of how you set that out. You told us the backstory of A Mind for Sales, but how you set that out for the reader slash listener. And what is it that people can expect to take away from your new book? Well, sure. What, how we break the book down is I, I, I start off right up front by talking about how you use Monday. It's amazing how Monday is the most important day of the week because I see too many salespeople just sliding into Monday. Well, I'll kind of ease into Monday. Well, you know what? Those same salespeople who ease into Monday, guess what? They use Friday for paperwork. So guess what? They're only working three days a week. My whole argument is I want to frame my week up for success. So I go through in the early chapters really saying, how do you frame your day? How do you frame yourself? How do you set yourself up to win? Because I have a firm belief tomorrow begins today. You never end the day without knowing exactly what you're going to do tomorrow. And, and what I mean by tomorrow exactly, it's not a to-do list. It's an outcome list. Who are the people who I'm going to impact? What are the things I will do to help people? Then I walk through a whole section of the book, how really your three greatest assets, it's your time, your mind, and your network. It's not what you sell. It's not your customer list. It's not your territory. It's, not that. it's your time, your mind, and your network. And I walk through some things because your whole goal each day is to protect your time, grow your mind, and nurture your network. And I break that down to a chapter on each one of those. What are ways that I protect my time? What are ways that I grow my mind? What are ways that I nurture? And you notice I didn't say use my network. I said nurture my network because my network, I believe, is, is this growing, ever-evolving group of people. And I break down those three different levels of network with which you create. I'm going to access these groups and use these groups and rely on these groups for different things. And right now, especially, you know, I didn't come up with this line. Jim Rohn came up with the line. He says, you become the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. Let me tell you something. This destroys more salespeople because all they're doing is hanging out with negative salespeople. So I talk about how do you create a mastermind? How do you create a mastermind group to build? I'm in several mastermind groups. And right now, one of the masterminds I'm in, we are meeting every Monday morning at 7 a.m., four of us from all around the country. And we do that. Why? Because we feel it's so critical right now during the midst of this pandemic that we frame up the week. And we do it at 7 a.m. Because why not? Let's get the week rolling. Well, let's get the week rolling. So there's a section in the book on that. There's another section in the book in, in terms of how do you communicate yourself? How do you communicate? What are the techniques that you use to communicate? And how do you be seen as a sales leader? What are some of those tools? What are some of those things? How do you know if the, if the prospect you have is really a prospect? I have a chapter in there on social media. And, and, I, and, and, and I talk about, hey, where do I use it? Where do I not use it? How do I play it? So I, I walk people through one of the most fascinating comments I got back from somebody and this person wrote me the other day. They said, you know what I love about your book? 
eight-page chapters. And he said eight-page chapters because you know what? I can read that eight pages in one sitting, and you know what? Then I'm so hungry that I go on and read it. He says, I, I probably read your book faster. It's only been out. I mean, as we record this, so it's only been out for a week. He said, I probably read that book faster because the chapters were so short. And it just left me coming for one more, one more, one more. And then I end the book with a series of questions that you want to be asking yourself and drilling down to really be evaluating yourself. And how do you set yourself up for a long-term win? Because my whole thing is a sales leader is not one who wow, I finished number one this quarter or this year. Uh Uh-uh. The sales leader is the one who finishes at the top every year, every year. What I want to do is I want to create sustained success as a sales leader. Well, Mark, I'm not surprised by the early success and uh, the, the great responses you're getting back from readers already for your book, A Mind for Sales. Give us a reminder, if you will, just other ways that we can track with you. Obviously, the book and, and message manager listeners will have these links in our show description. But the things that you're writing, the things that you're doing and talking about, where can we best track with you until the next time we're together? Well, yes, thank you for asking. Of course, the book, A Mind for Sales, you can buy that wherever books are sold online. It's in audio, it's in downloadable, it's hard copy, etc. But the website with the last name of Hunter, that means you got to use it. So I'm known as The Sales Hunter. That's my website, thesaleshunter.com. You can go out there. I put a lot. I blog three times a week. My YouTube channel, we put new videos out there all the time. I'm pretty much all over social media in one form or another. And you know what? I love contacting people. I love reaching out to people. I love exchanging notes with people. And because sales is not a solo activity, sales is a team sport. And when we view it that way, it's amazing how we see it as a community of people giving to people. And I love it. Mark, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I've enjoyed uh, getting to know you a bit and, and connecting and message manager listeners. Mark Hunter is someone that that I've certainly known about for quite a while. Mark, you have a terrific reputation in the speaking community as well as the sales community. And we really connected through a social media group that had been set up. So uh, Mark, you practice what you preach and uh, really appreciate you lending your encouragement and your expertise with our little community here today. And uh, we look forward to, to welcoming you back soon. Thank you so much. Great selling. Thanks to you for joining us on the podcast, whether you're a returning message manager listener or if this is your first time in. Some listeners have found us through Good Pods, which is a new app and community of podcast listeners. We had the co-founder JJ Ramberg on this podcast in episode 73, by the way. Whatever the case, I hope you continue to find ideas for honing your message, growing your base of messengers, and growing your business. You can dig in more deeply by reading or listening to my new book, The Science of Customer Connections, Manage Your Message to Grow Your Business. You can find it wherever business books are sold. You can even check out a free sampler on my website, jimcarr.com. That's K-A-R-R-H. I'd welcome your connection on LinkedIn, and I'd love to hear your ideas for future guests and topics. You can email me directly at jim at jimcar.com, and my direct mobile number is also on the website. Let's talk. 
And if your team or your company would like to make your everyday customer conversations a true growth engine for the business, then let's examine some options. I have a number of message leadership and growth programs, which I deliver virtually and in person when we're back to meeting in person again. So everyone can lead more powerful customer conversations virtually and in person. Until next time, message managers, thanks for joining the conversation. Thanks for joining us on the Manage Your Message podcast with Jim Carr. You'll find show notes and other resources at managermessagepodcast.com and jimcar.com. Please help us serve you and other message managers by subscribing to, rating, and reviewing this podcast. And connect with Jim on LinkedIn and on Twitter at Jim Carr. Until next time, we hope your business message is shared well and often.